We come to our Bible reading this morning, and the Bible reading is from Romans chapter 8, and it's entitled, A Life Through the Spirit. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Lord The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of, spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Lord God, we thank you for your word. It is your gift to us to bring knowledge to us. And we pray now for Nick as he comes to expound this particular passage. Give us wisdom, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand. Amen. Ian, can we just pop up the end of that reading again? It's my fault. I put the, uh, the, the wrong details on the, on the service sheet. Just the very last one, if that's okay. 
the Spirit himself testifies, because it's the last bit that's important. Uh, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, it also that we may share in his glory. And the Romans 8 is really by way of cross-reference. We're, gonna, um, we're back in John chapter 1, so please open your Bibles and turn there. It's on page... 1,063 in your Bibles that we'll pick up. But any excuse really to read a bit of Romans 8 and you'll see why, why that comes in um, later on. You'll see I've been really brave and taken my jacket off. It's lovely to see you all kind of wrapped up with scarves and hats. I think it's kind of, I think that's kind of the Lord's sense of humour. Um, we've come today to, keep, to see a kind of a uh, a proper quantity surveyor's view of our buildings. Um, I think this is the Lord's sense of humour. I think it's the Lord's view on our buildings. Um, actually, to you today, it's very hard, isn't it? Come and do spiritual business when you're gently shivering. Um, but we're going to give it our best go anyway. So John chapter 1. We've read this before, haven't we? But we're going to pick up, we're going to concentrate on verse uh, 10 to 13. But let me read from the beginning. In the beginning was the word... And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And it contains one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Yet to all those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, we've talked about coming to Christmas, about needing to have two kinds uh, of vision, about having kind of stereoscopic vision. You need to have both eyes open to to make out what's going on. You need to have one eye um, on the creator of the universe, and you need to have the other eye on the baby in the manger. So you're constantly trying to pull back with with your left eye so you can take it all in uh, and get the big picture, and you're peering in um, with your right eye um, to try and get to see Jesus, understand the the details of the story. So you end up with like a wide-angle lens stuck over one eye uh, and a microscope stuck over the other's eye. And what happens when we do that? We see that Jesus, well, actually, strictly speaking, the pre-incarnate Jesus was the creator of all things. He was present and he was involved at day one. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing has been made. And yet, the creator becomes a creature. And the creature comes into his own creation. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? 
when you put the two side by side. We find that Jesus is, is the true light. He was the maker of light. He was there as God. Uh, when God said, let there be light, Jesus was the agent of creation who brought that into being. He was the word at creation. And so he's always shone through creation. We said that last time. Jesus always has been the light of the world. There is a kind of light, there is a kind of revelation in creation which tells everybody that there is a God. And yet it's been ignored. Darkness has not grasped it in the sense that it's not overcome it, it's never switched it off, but it's not grasped it. The darkness, the darkness of, of humankind, it's not understood it. And today we take this, the story just one step further, that Jesus, who is always the light of the world, in creation, yet comes into the world to be the personal light of the world. And even then, the world fails to recognise him, doesn't see him for who he is. And I really struggle to bring this together, but let's do it in kind of twos and threes. We'll start with two spheres of rejection. So last time we saw uh, Jesus is the agent of creation. So Jesus is God revealed in creation. The darkness of humankind has not grasped it. It's not overcome it, not extinguished it, but not understood it. And in verse 9, this, this light, Jesus, the word, the light in creation, becomes Jesus' light of the world in person. And twice he, he calls himself, he uses that name. He says, I am the light of the world in John's gospel, but he's not recognized. So Jesus comes to this world that he, he has made. If you think about it, men and women are made in his image. He comes to all people under the sun, the very sun that he created, to give them light, and they don't recognize him. And they don't recognize him as creator. So in, in the world that he's made... He's unrecognized, but also in the people that he called, he's unrecognized. He came to that which was his own. He comes to God's own people. He comes to, to Israel. These are the people that God had, uh, had called to be his people and to, and to reveal um, himself to the world. These are the people that God had, had a relationship already for centuries. And Jesus comes as the very Messiah that they're expecting, and he's not recognized. Came to that which was his own. He was not only not recognized, he was not received. So imagine uh, a concert of Stain's Symphony Orchestra. Okay, as far as, as far as I'm aware, there isn't such a thing. Okay, but imagine if Staines had a, had a symphony orchestra and, and Mozart, by, by some kind of miracle, Mozart turns up. They're, 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 they're there and um, they, the, the, the conductor's, you know, a bit like Lee. He's, he's, he's very unwell um, and, he's, and he's not there. Uh, and Mozart turns up and, and says, I know, I know this piece, actually. Um, and they go, oh, it's fine, thanks. Um, but actually... Um, we were going to serve tea and coffee uh, in the interval. Could you, would you mind just you know, putting the kettle on, getting the stuff out? Or imagine Stainstown Football Club now. I know that that does exist. Okay. Um, a messy turns up one, one Saturday afternoon. Says, oh, I'll join in if you like. 
Um, and they say, um, uh, actually, some, there's some boots over there need cleaning. Um, or if he, but if he turned up, imagine Messi turning up in small, small town Argentina, and, and there's a local team, and they can only field 10 players. Um, and he says, it's all right, I've got my kit. Um, I'll come along and play. And they tell him, it's OK, we can manage. We can manage. Um, but actually, uh, could you help in the car park? It's getting a bit busy. That's the level of, of Jesus being not recognised. Jesus is, Jesus fits the whole. Jesus meets the need that people have. Jesus is the missing piece um, of the jigsaw. It's like having a thousand piece jigsaw and, the, and there's, a, there's a hole in the middle and somebody says, look, here's, here's the missing piece. And you go, no, no, it's all right, I'll keep looking. People who should by creation know that there is a God can't see him as God. And the people who are expecting a Messiah don't see him as a Messiah. Jesus is the answer to the problem. Where is God? How can I know God? But when he appears, suddenly people say, oh, actually, there isn't a problem. You see, when light comes into darkness, it's always noticed, isn't it? Light always makes a difference um, to darkness. So you know when your kids are small, you put a night light on the landing, and a little light is just enough to reassure them that there isn't any darkness. Or in a power cut and you light a candle. Oh, I can't remember when we last had a power cut here, but in the Witchwoods where we used to live, it happened, we were sort of you know, out in the sticks, and it used to happen, and a little candle or a couple of candles was enough to reassure the kids that it was okay. Or you put your phone um, you know, on in a dark street. A little light in darkness is enough. You can't ignore light in a dark place. So Jesus comes, he is the light of the world. And yet, people stay in the darkness. It's a, it's a willful darkness. Jesus will say later on to Nicodemus, people love the darkness instead of light because the deeds are evil. Don't want the light to come. It's amazing, isn't it? So Jesus is not recognised because he's not recognized, he's not received. Yet, yet, verse 12, there is always a minority, yet. Although he's largely ignored, largely not received, there is a way to become a child of God. But before we look at that, I want to look at three failed means of being included in the children of God. Okay, I think before we look at Jesus giving us a right to become children of God, he, John tells us there are three ways um, that you can't get right with God and you can't get into being one of God's people. And they are heredity, biology, and paternity. That's what I want to call them this morning. He says, um, he says you can't become a child of God um, by natural descent. Uh, the word in the original is bloods. You can't become uh, a child of God by bloods, which is in the sense that when you uh, have uh, a father and a mother... Um, there is, in a sense, in, in the old uh, understanding, a mixing of bloods. He says you can't become, um, can't become one of God's people by your heredity, by your lineage, by your background. In the Old Testament, most people 
didn't become Jews. You could become a Jew. You could join into God's people, and God's people did. But in the main, you, you were a Jew because you inherited it from your parents. You were born into it. Not so with Christianity. You cannot be born into Christianity. You do not, you cannot inherit it from your parents. You can inherit good parenting. You can inherit Christian teaching. You can um, inherit, in a sense, love and a good example. But you can't inherit a, a place in God's family. I've been reading one and two kings in my, in my, uh, you know, in my own quiet times. And it, it's amazing, really, how often actually the line of godliness breaks down from parent to child, certainly in the kings, um, rather than the other way around. Godliness so often, um, grievingly, doesn't get passed down the generations. So you can't become a child of God by heredity. You can't become a, a child of God by biology. And I guess that's actually really obvious. He says, um, you can't be born by natural descent, nor of human decision. Um, that means kind of fleshly decision, and I think that kind of means essentially sexual desire. You can't become a child of God by sex. I mean, that's kind of patently obvious, isn't it? Um, sex is a great gift, and, and conception is this amazing miracle where two tiny, uh, tiny entities um, find each other, and it's, it's a miraculous every time it happens. But it cannot confer the status of being a child of God. Natural birth, biological birth, can't make you a child in God's kingdom. I guess that's obvious. But neither can paternity. John calls it a husband's will. We would call it family planning. You can, to an extent, decide to have a child. I appreciate that for some it doesn't happen and it's incredibly pain painful when it doesn't, but you can decide to an extent to start a family, to have a child, even how many children to have, to some extent, but you cannot, you cannot decide whether they are children of God or not. You can bring a child to dedication, but you can't bring them um, into the kingdom simply by your family planning. You can bring a child to baptism, but you can't make them drink. You can't make them drink of the spirit. So how does it work? <clears throat> well, two kinds of welcome, that's how it worked. Back to the yet. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What does it mean to believe in his name? Well, it's very simple. It's just to acknowledge that Jesus is who he says he is. He is God the Son. Incarnate. He is God in human form. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is God's anointed King. He is, as he says, the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the door for the sheep. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He is the resurrection, the one who can give you life after death. He is the way and the truth and the life, and he is, and he is the true vine. It means believing Jesus is who he said he is, but it's not enough. Yet to all who received him. Received him. And in a sense, it, it means to, to, to welcome uh, as a guest. And I guess in the passage, it, it, it just means those who... Uh, in, in history, those who welcomed Jesus um, and, and believed it, who he said he was. For us, I think it means something different. 
So my question is this, have you, have you believed? Okay, Jesus is who he says he is. Have you believed? And I guess if I asked you that question, you just put your hand up and say yes. Have you received Christ? It's a different thing. You've believed, have you? I guess you would say, yeah, have you received Christ? And for us to receive Christ is a, it is a powerful thing. It is to say to him, yes, when I look on the cross, I, I believe you did that for me. It has to get personal, doesn't it? It has to say, yes, I, I understood. I think as John prayed, or somebody said earlier on, um, yes, Jesus, I realize that you died in my place. Yes, Lord, I take up that offer that you are going to credit me with, with Jesus' uh, righteousness. But then to receive is, is to welcome the spirit of Christ um, into your life and making you new. You believed, have you received, or are you still saying, like the small town Argentinian football team, we can manage, thank you very much. Because there are two kinds of welcome and there are two senses of being a, a child of God. You're a child of God in, in, in two different ways that Jesus wants to offer you. Yet to all who received him, to those believed in his name, he gave the right, the right to become children of God. Children born of God. So those who are children of God, they're children by right, but they're, they're children by nature. So Jesus gives, to those who receive him, Jesus gives the right, the authority, the privilege, the power to become children of God. He gives you the, the right. You, you could do that. You see, you could give somebody the right to become your child by, by offering to adopt them. And you can make it legal. And, and Jesus does this. He gives you the right. Because he's, he's done the legal transaction. You were wrong with God. You couldn't be, you couldn't be a child of God because uh, your sin counted you out. So Jesus has done the, the legal bit. He, he, has, he has paid for your sin. And he has um, earned uh, righteousness that, that he gives to you. He's done the legal bit and the documentation is done. And in a sense, you can do something uh, a little bit like that. If you were to adopt somebody, you do the legal bit. But he also does something else. You could adopt somebody and then they are legally just like your natural children, except that they aren't. You can't change their DNA. You can't change the colour of their hair um, to match your own. You can't make them look like you, but God can. He gives you the right to become children of God, children of God by right, but you are also children born of God. You are children of God by nature. By nature. So as Peter would say at Pentecost, um, Repent and be baptized. And he says, when you do, he says, you receive forgiveness. 
and you receive God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit comes and, uh, and takes up residence in you. And that's where um, the end of Romans comes into play. You're children of God by right. You are children of God by nature because God has put his, his spirit within you. And it's worth reading uh, that passage again when you get home. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may share also in his glory. You're God's children by right. In that sense, he sorted your heredity. You're counted as one of Abraham's children. He has sorted your paternity. He's signed the adoption papers. But you're also a child by nature. He has sorted, in a sense, the biology, if I can put it like that. Except, of course, it's not your biology of Keynes. It's not your physical nature. It's your spiritual nature that he changes. And what happens? Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And he makes a difference makes a difference. He testifies that we're children of God. Is that happening? Is that happening? When you worship, when you pray, when you read the scriptures, it's the spirit at work in you telling you that you are um, that you're a child of God, that God is your father. If not, why not? Those who don't have the spirit of God, not children of God. The spirit changes our attitude to, to godliness. Do you notice that? Okay. Um, godliness is no longer a chore. Uh, we're not made slaves again. We're made children. And we willingly want to be like our father. Has that happened? Is that going on? And the Spirit reassures us that we're going to inherit. We're going to inherit. I kind of, um, wouldn't it be amazing if you knew kind of like you were going to inherit uh, a mansion? I wonder what would change in your life. You know, if somebody left you, you know, somebody wrote to you and says, um, I've, I've, I've written you into my will. Um, this, there's this massive house. Um, and you just kind of feel secure, wouldn't you? You'd know that everything was catered for um, for the rest of your life and uh, you'd have no more worries. Well, you are going to inherit and you're going to inherit in the big house. In a sense, in my father's house are, are many rooms. You are going to inherit and it changes. Is that happening? Do you feel secure? Because the spirit is telling you that you're going to inherit The Spirit just leads us. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are, are the children of God. The Spirit leads us in, in, in likeness of the Father. It, is the Spirit telling you stuff? 
Is he laying on your heart, I really shouldn't be doing that anymore? Or more often in the Christian life, it's not things we're doing, it's, it's things we're not doing. Is, it, it's this, is the spirit at work telling, telling you stuff, prompting you as you praise, you worship, as you read the scriptures? He changes your eyes to see like the Father does. Changes your heart to feel like the Father does. Changes your brain to decide like the Father does. Like father, like son. Like father, like daughter. Is that you? Is that happening? That's the question in my own life. Or have I somewhere along the line grieved the Spirit and he's just gently withdrawn and I've pressed on and not noticed that the work of the Spirit of God has gone quiet. He's gone quiet in my life. Has he gone quiet? Then you need to come back. What have I done? What is there in my life, Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, that just doesn't really stack up to your life? Where am I trying to say, I can manage? Where am I trying to um, live in the darkness? Just need to ask him that question. Because there's only one way to God, just as we kind of try and wrap up. There's only one way to be right with God. And that's this yet. It's this right. And this change that Jesus brings about. Isn't that an exclusivist claim? Yes, in a sense. Yes, Jesus claims to be the only right way to God. All religions are not the same, so they cannot all be right. Um, really helpful book, um, Andy Bannister, uh, Do Muslims and Christians Believe in the Same God? You've seen it up here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I just uh, commend it to you again. Very clear. All religions are the same? No, they're not the same. So they cannot all be right because they're, they're all different. So you have to go with one and the one, the one true light comes into the world is Christ. But also, no, it's not exclusivist because he says yet to all who received him. It's open to all and any. It's open to whosoever. It's it's open to your family members and friends and your neighbours who don't know Christ. So think about it and do pray for them over Christmas. So two choices to finish with. And basically, you know this. The choice is, no, I can manage, and I'll take my chances. Trust that's not you. The other is, yes, I receive. And I receive from Jesus. Not the Jesus who is a baby, but from Christ, when he has grown, the Christ who has died and, uh, and, rose, um, and risen again, received that right become a child of God but is that childhood of God by the spirit at work in your life today and you say yes I receive Jesus but as then his brother or sister you receive along with him as a child of God misunderstanding 
because he was misunderstood, he wasn't recognized. You receive with him obscurity, not going to be famous. Lack of reception, people will cold shoulder you out. You receive suffering, says that end of Romans 8. Live a life which is putting other people first, a life of taking up your cross to follow him. But yet this is glory. This is glory to be a, a child of God, filled with the Spirit. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Let me pray for you. Father God, today we just, uh, we come uh, in repentance to those places where we've wanted to live in the darkness. We come in repentance if there are places where we've not let you shine your light into our lives, where we've not led by the Spirit, if we've grieved you, Holy Spirit, please forgive us in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to be the true light of the world. Thank you that the light has shone in our darkness. And we pray it will shine again this Christmas. Amen.